The Bears. The Bears. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know, we always used to open the show with Jump by Eddie Van Halen, and when I took over the show, I changed the intro and took out uh, Van Halen's Jump, but I figured it'd be appropriate to put that back in the intro, seeing as though we lost a legend this week in Eddie Van Halen due to throat cancer, and he defined an era with the guitar sound. I could listen to him all day, and I have, and if you know me, you know I'm a big 80s fan, big 80s rock fan, classic rock, and... Eddie Van Halen is one of my favorite musicians of all time, and I figured that'd be an appropriate tribute to play Jump from the album 1984 on the show today. Bring that back for the intro to today's Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. There's no Bears game today. It's weird. Last week, there was the Bears game was three hours after the show ended. This week, there is no Bears game because... They played earlier in the week. They played on Thursday against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Soldier Field. And last week on the show, I said that they were going to lose that game because they weren't playing well. And they did not lose that game. Somehow, they didn't lose that game. Final score was 20-19. The Bears won. It came down to the leg of Cairo Santos, which I didn't expect. And I was nervous as hell about. But Bears got a big W. They're 4-1. And that includes a loss to Phillip Rivers and the Colts on Sunday. Which I'm kind of shoving under the rug because of the performance against the Buccaneers. I'll talk about it all coming up. But again, 4-1. People are saying, oh, they're not a good team. Well, you know what? 4-1 is 4-1. Steve Miller once said, you take the money and run. But now I look at the outlook. Bright-ish. I'd say I'll dive more into that later in the show. Also, some thoughts on the Chicago Blackhawks making some moves. And I wouldn't say they're necessarily good moves, per se. But I'll dive into it, including uh, the departure of Corey Crawford, a longtime goaltender for the Hawks, and what it means going forward as Stan Bowman attempts 
to rebuild the Chicago Blackhawks. And I say attempts because I'm not sure it's going to work. And just because it's a light day in Chicago sports news, I'll probably talk about the NBA Finals as well because Jimmy Butler's putting on a show. And I know Bulls fans are watching thinking, oh, we could still have him. Well, that's complicated. And I want to talk about that. Also, a lot of discussion about whether LeBron should have taken the shot in Game 5. Everyone's saying Michael Jordan would have. Well, there's some discussion to be had there about that. Some of the takes I've seen on Twitter. And if you know me, you've listened to the show. I'm very much into the history and getting history right. And I've seen a lot of um, conflicting things about whether Michael would have taken the shot and what actually happened in 1993 when John Paxson hit the shot. So that's what we had to get to today. Again, full hour. It's a light day. So please feel free to chime in on the conversation on Twitter. Tweet at me at Nick Schultz underscore seven. Again, I cannot open the phone lines because we don't have any phone lines. WUW is working remotely this semester, so I'm at the mercy of Twitter and no phone calls, which is one of my favorite parts of the show is taking phone calls. But since we can't do that this semester, we're going to try and improvise. So if you have any thoughts on anything in the sports world, tweet at me at Nick Schultz underscore seven. And please follow me if you don't. I like to think I'm pretty funny on Twitter. And my GIF game's pretty strong. But let's talk Bears. Because that was quite the game on Thursday night. And you can take that as it was a great game. You can take that as it was a mediocre game. It was an interesting contest between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and Nick Foles and the Bears. The stats kind of show that the QBs weren't impressive. I mean... Brady had a quarterback rating of 56.4, Foles 46.3. That's not great. But it was definitely an exciting game. I think exciting would be a good word for it. Because the Buccaneers were up 13-0 at one point. And, oh man, Kyle Fuller. So, I went to watch this game with a couple friends at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And we're watching the game. And... We are like, oh no, this is going to be bad. They're not playing well. They're going to get killed. We gave up hope. And then Kyle Fuller came in and with that huge hit, forced the fumble and shout out to Robert Quinn. He didn't do much in the game statistically, but he got that fumble. And because he picked up the ball, there was a clear recovery when the referees went to review it and they ruled it a fumble and Quinn picked it up and there was a clear recovery and it was Bears ball and that changed the game. It was good to see Kyle Fuller making something happen because that was a textbook play. But that hit, it was clean. It was a huge hit. And again, it shifted the momentum toward the Bears because the Bears were flat. And it wasn't pretty. The offense was not good. Again, I mean, we, it was very similar to what we saw against the Colts. It was just kind of stagnant, wasn't doing a whole lot, trying to make something happen. Foles looked like Trubisky a couple times. He overthrew Allen Robinson on a wide open play, and he underthrew it a couple times. But, I mean, he went 30 for 42 for 243 yards. But it definitely was not a great game from the offense in the first half. But that Kyle, Holt, that Kyle Fuller hit in the second quarter totally changed things because the Bears got the momentum, and then they scored. And they made it a game, and the game went on, and it got more and more stressful for Bears fans because you weren't sure what was going to happen. 
some questionable coaching in the fourth quarter by Matt Nagy. But it didn't matter because the Bears won. So let's evaluate this game here. The offense was okay. I wouldn't say it was great. I wouldn't say it was good. I wouldn't say it was bad. It was okay. Cordero Patterson had a game. He looked really good from a receiving standpoint, receiving and rushing standpoint. Three receptions for 38 yards and three carries for seven yards, which isn't necessarily the best. But he's not a running back by trade. He's a wide receiver. And I thought he looked really good. I thought Allen Robinson stood out. I wish he would have seen the end zone, but that's a topic for another time. And Jimmy Graham making something happen, man. Did you see that one-handed catch? That was awesome. And I, I didn't watch SportsCenter, but I'm hoping it made SportsCenter's top plays because that was an awesome catch. Now let's go to the other side of the ball, the defense. Because we got to say hello to Khalil Mack. Because Khalil Mack showed up big time in this game. He had two sacks. And they were both for loss. And he he played a big role on shaking up Tom Brady and kind of getting to him in the pocket and getting through the Buccaneers' offensive line. And that one play, man, when he sacked Brady and the, the lineman was still on him, he took his arm and just threw him to the ground. That's the Khalil Mack we've been hoping to see all year. It may have taken him five games to show up, but Khalil Mack is here and he made his presence known. And I think it's a great sign because I've been wondering, I've said it on the air, he's been limited in practice all year with that knee injury. And I'm not really sure what's going on. I, I keep asking, like, should we be worried? Everyone keeps telling me, no, shouldn't be worried about it. He'll be fine. He's going to play. Well, yeah, he's going to play. But is he going to be at full strength? That's the big question. Because other than his first game against the Packers, when he balled out, he had the strip sack, touchdown. He had a really great he had that interception. He had a really, really great first game against the Packers after he was signed. But since then, he hasn't really been there a whole lot. Now, he's there, and I'm hoping this sticks around. Because that was amazing. And people have been asking, even when Khalil Mack hasn't really shown up statistically, everyone's been asking, okay, is this trade worth it now? And I, I feel like this conversation came up last year. I feel like I, I'm having deja vu here. I, I feel like I talk about this. Yes, the Bears gave up draft capital just for Khalil Mack, nothing else. And I know one of those picks turned into Josh Jacobs. But let me tell you, I'd do that trade over again. Absolutely. Because having Khalil Mack on your defense gives it that much more credibility and has so much more potential for games like Thursday. If he can do that week in, week out, and he can, the talent is there. If he can be that dominant, yeah, the trade's worth it. Just having him there makes it worth it. And again, it helps that Akeem Hicks is doing work on the line. And I know Robert Quinn doesn't show up statistically, and I wish he would a little more. But having him out there, they're focusing more on Quinn, and that means Mack can get through. And then when they focus on Mack, Quinn can get through. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, and there's more to it than just the statistics. you got to look beyond the box score. I'm all about looking beyond the box score. And the best tools you can use to evaluate a player are your left eye and your right eye. I think you're going to see more Khalil Mack, and I hope you see more Robert Quinn. Because I, 
I don't want to use the term coming out party because everybody knows Khalil Mack can do Khalil Mack things. But I think that was a coming out party for this year. And that, okay, here he is. Here's what he can do. You better, you better be scared. So a lot of good signs coming out of this game. <laughs> I still can't believe it came down to Cairo Santos's leg. I really wish that wouldn't happen. And in that fourth quarter, all right, Matt Nagy, I know you love to pass the ball. I like it too. It's exciting. But when you got more than a minute left and you're marching down the field, you want to eat up that clock because you don't want Tom Brady to get that ball back. Is he necessarily what he's been the past few years? Actually, over his career, I guess. Is he what he's been over his career? No. He is not the Tom Brady we're used to seeing. However, he's still Tom Brady. I mean, you, you can't leave him that much time to do something good because you never know when he can strike. So when there was more than a minute left and the Bucks' offense was coming back out, we were at the bar, and I even said, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And I heard on the radio the next day, Everyone talking about the coaching in the fourth quarter. And I know Matt owned up to it. And I actually, full disclosure, I know he addressed it in his press conference the next day. I did not hear the press conference the next day because I was working up at the country club and it was the craziest day of the year. Usually I have my headphones in and I'm listening to either ESPN 1000 or The Score and can catch the spin. But I didn't have time to and was just exhausted after work and... I worked at the bar last night until late. So I really haven't seen what Matt Nagy said about the coaching, but I know he wasn't happy with the offense, and I believe the coaching was brought up. But either way, I mean, Matt addressed it. And that leads me to believe, okay, things are going to get better from here. Hopefully I'm not watching the first half going, oh my God, what am I watching? Because that's what we were doing. at When we were eating dinner, watching the game, it was like, what are we watching? I mean, Nick Foles was billed as the superhero, and he was going to come in and save the day, and he looked like Trubisky. But this is what I've been saying the whole time, and I've heard people finally start to say it. There is a reason this guy's a backup. He won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, he did. He was the backup that year. When he started in St. Louis for the Rams before they moved to L.A., he was terrible. He was a starter. They can game plan for him. In Jacksonville, he was the starter. He was terrible. They can game plan for him. What he did in Atlanta is what he's good at. He's good at coming in, saving the day mid-game. Now that he's starting, he's struggling out of the gate. And yeah, I mean, he had a better game than, than he did against Indianapolis. I mean, 30 for 42, 243 yards and a touchdown. He still had that bad interception. And he still overthrew Allen Robinson. And he still underthrew Darnell Mooney at one point. The quarterback situation in Chicago, it's, you can complain about it all day. and I mean, you have every reason to complain about it all day. And then you watch the Texas game, Texas-Oklahoma, in the Red River shootout yesterday, which was an insane game. 
Like, if you didn't watch that game, go watch the highlights. That was absolutely crazy. And what Sam Ellinger was able to do for Texas, I mean, he was using his legs. He was making big plays. I'm watching him and going, I want this guy on the Bears. So you heard it here first. It is 11-17 on October 11th. I don't even know if this guy can enter the draft yet because I don't know much about him. But I want Sam Ellinger on the Bears. Because he's better than both quarterbacks they have. Actually, you can count Tyler Bray in there because Tyler Bray is still on the active roster off the practice squad. I still don't know why. At least this week he was active. But I still don't know why Tyler Bray is on the active roster. (laughs) But uh, Sam Ellinger looked pretty damn good yesterday and he looked better than what we got in Chicago. But for now, Nick Folds is the quarterback. And yeah, he did... He did well in the second half. I think he could have been better in the first half out of the gate to not make it so close. But you also have to remember it was a Thursday night game. Thursday night games are never the best fundamental football games. And that's why you saw what you saw. There were a lot of penalties. It was sloppy. A lot of missed tackles on both sides. Offenses looked sluggish. I really and truly think the NFL needs to just do away with Thursday night football. And I know that's a take that's all over the place. That is not a, that is not a unique take to me. But you watch Thursday Night Football, you see the fundamentals are just, it's not there. What the NFL needs to do is like they're doing now with, with the COVID-19 stuff going on with teams having outbreaks and rescheduling games. There are two Monday night games again this week. Have two Monday night games every week and get rid of Thursday Night Football. It's not fair to the players. It's not a good game. Have two Monday night games. I guarantee you the viewership will be there. I mean, a doubleheader on a Monday night? Yeah, after a full day on Sunday? Because having it on Thursday, I mean, from a fan perspective, okay, you got a game Thursday night that you want to watch if you're just a football fan or if you're a, if you're a football better. There's a game Thursday night. And then there's Friday where there's nothing. I mean, yeah, this week we had the NBA Finals, but take out basketball. Like, if you're just strictly on a football perspective, there's nothing going on Friday. Saturday, you have college football all day, which is fun. And then Sunday, you've got your NFL slate. And then Monday night, you got one game. So you're all geared up for football on Thursday night. Friday comes, and you're like, eh. Get rid of Thursday night football. Have two games on Monday night. And you're going to have a lot more people happy about happy what you're doing. That's what I would do. But nobody listens to the 22-year-old youngster who just graduated college. But I can make suggestions. And that's, what, and that's what I would do. If you agree or disagree, tweet at me at NickSchultz underscore 7. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But Bears are 4-1. First time since 2012, I think. I think that's what I heard. Well, now I think you could say the Bears are a playoff team. I think it's safe to say the Bears have made the playoffs. Or at least the chances of making the playoffs are really good. Because even in 2018 with the dreaded double doink year, when the Bears balled out in the regular season and went 13-3, and or 12-4, and they didn't start 4-1. and and let's look at the rest of the schedule here. I want to, I want to see what the schedule looks like. 
Because right now we got through Tampa Bay, which I figured was going to be a really tough game. And I even said that a couple weeks ago. Next Sunday, uh, October 18th, the uh, Bears play the Panthers at noon. think it's safe to say the Bears have a good shot at winning that one. I'd like to think at least. And then the next week, they're on Monday Night Football against the Rams. Which, that one is going to be similar to the Tampa Bay game where that I don't know what's going to happen. And then New Orleans comes to town, and say what you want about New Orleans, they're still the Saints. I know Drew Brees isn't Drew Brees. At least, he's not what he has been. But they're still the Saints. And then, right now, they're scheduled to go to Tennessee, November 8th. But Tennessee's got the COVID-19 outbreak, which, uh, that's that's almost day-to-day at this point. Yeah, that's a month out, but you never know. And then, heading into the bye week, they got a Monday night matchup against the Vikings. So there is a definite possibility for five wins here, but I could see, I think it'd be another four and one or even uh, three and two in that five game stretch with Carolina, LA Rams, New Orleans, Tennessee, Minnesota. I could see three and two as probably the safe assumption for what's going to happen, but four, four and one or even five straight. But five straight is tough to do. So I would say four and one or three and two in that five game stretch. So this could be make or break here. Because out out of the bye week, season closes with Packers, Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars, Packers. So these next five games are crucial for the Bears' playoff chances. And some news yesterday, just saying on the Bears here, Adam Schefter at ESPN reported that. Uh, a member of the Bears practice squad tested positive for COVID-19, but the facilities have been shut down since Thursday because I know Matt likes to give them the weekend off when they play on Thursday night, and understandably so. I've not heard much on that. It doesn't sound like it's a huge deal right now. Obviously, it's a big deal because it's COVID-19, but it doesn't sound like it's going to affect anything, at least at the moment as we sit here now, just because the Bears played on Thursday night. So this is where Thursday night was kind of a blessing because the facilities have been just shut down out of protocol because they played on Thursday night. Matt likes to give them the weekend. But that'll be something to keep an eye on, definitely. But a week to recover this week for the Bears after, I mean, 20-19. to 19, that, that's, and it came, The fact that it came down to Santos's leg, I hate, I don't want to say I hate, I'd rather not have games come down to Cairo Santos's right leg. I mean, he's there are days where he's making everything, there are days where he's missing everything. And I mean, it, it, we saw him a few years ago under John Fox with oh yeah, you know, Carl Carlos Santos pulled he tweaked his groin, yeah. He'll be out for us. We saw him when we saw him back then. And I didn't like him then. Now that he's back, I, when's Eddie Pinero come back? And did I see they, they signed a kicker to the practice squad? So are we, are we doing this again? Are we doing the kicker thing again? Like, I, I just want to know. Because, yeah, Eddie Pinheiro is still out. But I, I, saw they, I saw they got another kicker, and they signed him out of the practice squad. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to find his name real quick. On the, uh, on the Twitterverse, because I know I saw it from uh, multiple sources. Yeah, uh, was it, is it Kai Forboth? I think that's how you pronounce it. 
He's been signed to the practice squad. So here we go. We got a kicker on IR. We got a kicker on the 53 man. We got a kicker on the practice squad. Anyone else want to try out? We just want to bring out the Loyola Chicago soccer team or all the soccer teams in Chicago and have them try out to be the kicker. I know that's what they used to do, and I think they should do that again, but don't get me started right now. But if we're doing the kicker thing again, tell us now so we can prepare ourselves. Because ever since that damn double doink, the kicker situation has been not great for our beloved Chicago Bears. And I know I'm not the only one. When they were setting up to kick that game-winning field goal, holding my breath as Santos went to kick that ball. I miss Robbie Gold. Have I said that lately? I don't, I don't think I've said it lately on the air, but I miss Robbie Gold. And that's all, that's all on Ryan Pace for letting him go and wanting to bring in his own guy. But I miss Robbie Gold so much. And you don't realize just how grateful you were to have him until you had the kicking situation you have now. But I just want to get I just wanted to put that out there. Because I really don't want to be holding my breath. Yet you're gonna hold your breath anyway on a potential game winning field goal. Especially at Soldier Field. But I'd rather not be sitting there going, oh no, oh no, oh no. And sitting there going, make it, make it, make it. I'd rather be saying make it instead of oh no, oh no, oh no. Because with the way the kicking situation's been, you're fearing the worst if you're a Bears fan. Especially if you're like me and you're still scarred from the double doink. And every time a kicker <laughs> kicks or hits the upright and it doinks, I sit there and cringe and go, oh no, bad flashbacks. You think I'm joking? No, I, I genuinely do that. Every time there's a doink, I cringe. Because I just, I just think back to that night when I, when I was at uh, I was at school at, at a bar with, with my friend Blaze. And watching that game and oh man, it just ripped my heart out. But again, 4-1 and one is 4-1. and one. I don't want to hear, oh, they're still not good. Oh, I, I, don't, think they're very, I don't think they're very good. Who, who was it? Was it Bill Parcells that always says you are what the record says you are? Take the money and run. 4-1 and one is quite the accomplishment. I don't care who you play. Take it and run. It could be 1-4. Would you rather be 1-4? No, I'd rather be excited about the Bears now than be 4-1. And, and there's a very winnable game coming up next week. So you know what? Bask in the 4-1 glory this week. Watch the games today. You got a big game today, Vikings-Seahawks. It's going to be a good game. You got the NBA Finals tonight, Game 6. Bears fans can just chill out today. And enjoy their Sunday and do whatever it is Bears fans do on Sundays when the Bears don't play. Whether that's watching paint dry or watching the other games, I don't know. It's up to you. But just know that they have a great record right now. And with that match, I love that matchup against Carolina next week. And I'll do a full preview of that next Sunday because I'll be back to taking you to kickoff. It's a noon kickoff that day. 
And that's obviously when I get off the air. But for right now, we're just going to celebrate beating Tom Brady for the first time ever. You know, he's never lost to the Bears until Thursday night. Yeah, he was 5-0 and against the Bears. I want to say the last time he lost in the state of Illinois was when he was at Michigan. I think, I think that's what I read. The Illini beat the Wolverines. But let's just celebrate this week. That's all I ask. I want to remind you, you're listening to WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. Well, currently broadcasting from my, my detached garage in the Schultz Sports Cave in Dwight, Illinois, because we're working remotely this semester, which is why I can't take calls. So feel free to tweet at me at Nick Schultz underscore 7. I'll read what I can on the air in the next half hour. Blackhawks making some news this week. And it was, and I don't know if this was intentional. I don't know, but Stan Bowman announcing that they're not bringing Corey Crawford back on Thursday when the Bears are playing the Buccaneers in a big game seems like kind of a take-out-the-trash moment. Throw it out with the trash, take out the trash days, the Friday news dump. This one, obviously, on Thursday. But all eyes are on the Bears game, and you're going to announce, oh, hey, we're not bringing back Corey Crawford. It's still got plenty of attention, don't get me wrong. But I, I thought that was just interesting timeline. And, yeah, Corey Crawford's gone. And as I've said on the air, I've been probably too critical of Corey Crawford over the years. There's been a lot of mental mistakes I've seen him make. and He's, def, he's obviously one of the best goalies in Hawks history. I don't, I'm not going to go as far as, say, the best, as I'm a big Tony Esposito fan. But he's definitely up there. And his legacy, I mean, two Stanley Cups. He's been with the organization since 2003. He's one of the greats. I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers are retired someday. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the Hall of Fame someday. But it's going to be weird seeing him in a New Jersey Devils uniform next year. He signed a two-year, $3.9 million deal with New Jersey. That's going to be weird. I don't, I don't know if I'm mentally prepared to see Corey Crawford in another uniform. And, I mean, I... On social media over the years, I've always... It's just where my lack of hockey knowledge came in. I, for some reason, would blame him for the bad defense just because he wouldn't stop everything and he'd let easy goals go by. But as I grew older and wiser in my hockey fandom, I realized that the Hawks had nothing in front of him and he really did the best he could with what he had to work with. But he left quite the legacy. And that's why it's going to be so weird seeing him in another uniform. Like, seeing Patrick Sharp in another uniform when he went to, what, where he, did he go to Dallas? Or was that Johnny? I know Johnny Oduya went there. I forget where Patrick Sharp went. I think it was Dallas. Seeing him in another uniform was weird enough. But I think Corey Crawford in another uniform is going to be even weirder somehow. And now, Stan Bowman has said the reasoning for not bringing back Corey Crawford is they trust in their young goalies. And that's why I saw Malcolm Subban got an extension and they trust in Colin Delia. All right, Stan. (laughs) All right, if if you say so. And the rebuild is on, I I guess. I'm putting an asterisk on that. and More on that in a second. But Brandon Saad also got traded. 
And I would just like to acknowledge how lopsided the Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad deal was. I am still upset they traded Artemi Panarin because he was my favorite Blackhawk. And he, he's doing work in Columbus. And Brandon Saad wasn't doing anything for the Hawks. So seeing him gone, like, okay, that just proves that the trade was bad. He's heading to Colorado where he's probably going to win a Stanley Cup this year or next year. I guess next year, this year, I don't, I don't know how to address it now. Like the, the NHL season's over, but we don't know when it's starting because of COVID. But well, I'll, I'll say next year for now. I don't know. I might just do like I'm doing now and say this year slash next year, whatever you want to call it. So the rebuild is on, kind of. Corey Crawford's the first big shoe to fall, I feel like. Yeah, you could say Brandon Saad's a big shoe. Well, you know what? They traded him before. They brought him back. Because Stan likes to do this damn revolving door thing where, oh, you played for the Blackhawks a few years ago. You were a big part of, you're a big part of our puzzle. Oh, hey, hey, are you a free agent? I'll come back. Come back. We'll, we'll let you back in. Look at Brandon Saad. I mean, yeah, that was a trade. It wasn't free agent signing. But, I mean, he, he does this. I don't understand it. And on top of this, last year, going in, going into last year, this year, whatever, going into this past season, the Hawks had Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard. That was, I would argue, the best one-two punch goalie system you had in the NHL. What did he do? Oh, he traded Leonard to the Golden Knights, and appropriately, Leonard beat the Blackhawks and knocked him out of the playoffs. And then you don't bring back Corey Crawford. So any optimism at the goalie position is now gone. Yeah, I get he wants to go younger. Okay, I don't think the young guys have proven it yet. I also didn't think Jeremy Collin had proved anything by the time he got moved up to head coach. So I don't know what Stan's thinking. But I, you can't. This hurts. I really don't want to go here. But I think I have to. The rebuild cannot start until Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, until those guys are gone. That, that, that physically hurt me to say. But hear me out. If you want to go younger, your building blocks for the three championships are aging. Patrick Kane is still Patrick Kane. I think Jonathan Taves is still Jonathan Taves at times. Duncan Keith is not what he used to be. If Stan Bowman is serious about rebuilding this team, and it sounds like he is since Crawford's not coming back, it might be time to tell those guys we need to move on. But this is where Stan's argument that we're trying to go younger and rebuild this team falls short. And it also proves something I've said on the air numerous times. He has no idea what he's doing. Do you know the architect of the three Stanley Cup teams? It wasn't Stan Bowman. It was Dale Talon. 
the guy who brought in Joel Quinville after Stan the Man ran him out of town. I don't know if I want the Hawks to rebuild yet, but I think I think they have to, and that's why your your three your big three half it's just time. If you're if you want to rebuild this team, I think it's I think it's got to happen. And again, that sucks because I mean I grew up with these guys. My uh, the first hockey game I ever watched was 2009 Winter Classic. That was when Nikolai Havibulin was in goal. Yeah, that's the name. Nikolai Havibulin was in goal. That was the first hockey game I ever watched. So, no, I didn't jump on the bandwagon in 2010. I, I watched that year, that half a year before. That was Dale Talon's team. And I've, so I've grown up. Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. Even Patrick Sharp, Corey Crawford. I grew up with these guys. That's why it hurts me to say that if you're if you're serious, if Stan's serious about rebuilding, it's it's time. You, you gotta look at it from a business perspective. You gotta take the fan hat off, put the business hat on. And it's it's gotta happen. I don't know if it's this offseason or next. Yes, veteran leadership is essential when you're rebuilding. I don't know if the Hawks are trying to win games still. This has been a rocky start to the rebuild. No, no pun intended with Rocky Wirtz's his name, but it's been a rough start at their rebuilding. I'm still not sold on Jeremy Carlton. I also think if you're going to rebuild a team, you need a you need a coach who can develop guys, and I don't think he's proven he can. But I I don't know what's going on with the Blackhawks. I started losing hope last year, and then the NHL made it so they somehow were the last team into the playoffs, which I don't think they deserved to be the last team in the playoffs, but they were. And now we're left sitting here wondering I don't, I don't what's happening. Like, getting rid of Corey Crawford signals that you're ready to move on, you're ready to make some changes. But how are you going to implement those changes? That's what we have to see. And I know... I know the fan base, including myself, as you as you can hear, is frustrated with Stan Bowman. But we'll see what he does. So I, I yeah, this is where I usually do my cliche: the arrow is pointing up. I don't know which way the arrow is pointing for the Hawks. But uh, it's gonna it's gonna be weird as hell. Seeing Corey Crawford in a New Jersey Devils uniform next year. I mean, the guy's been with the organization since 2003. That's a long time. And for him to go out like this, I don't know. But that's where we're at. 
I'm going to keep questioning Stan Bowman on Twitter. And the Ole Mata move ended up being a bust because he traded him for cap space because he don't know how to manage a salary cap. A lot going on with the Blackhawks. And it's a shame, too, because the, the Bulls share the United Center with the Hawks, and the Bulls are, so, there is so much optimism there. And you look at the other guys, you're like, oh, okay. I want the Hawks to be really good again. We were blessed, super blessed, to have that Stanley Cup run, the three Stanley Cups in five years. I'm not saying I want that again. I mean, I would, but I just want them to perennial playoff team again. That's all I want. But now they're with, with the murky rebuild plan and a GM who's not very popular at the moment. A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks. I think too many question marks. But so long, Corey Crawford. Thank you. I mean, I could mean, yeah, thank you for the memories. I mean, two cups. One of the best goalies in Hawks history. He's playing for another team next year. I've still got 17 minutes left. So I do want to talk NBA Finals because that's still going on. Somehow that's still going on. After the way it started for the Miami Heat, I wasn't sure we'd get past four games. But here we are. Game six is tonight. Lakers up 3-2. And old friend Jimmy Butler out there doing work. Holy cow is he putting on a show. Between him and LeBron James, this has been an amazing series. And I found myself sitting there watching game five going, I hope the Lakers don't win this game because I want a game six. And I have a feeling tonight I'll be sitting there wanting a game seven. Those two best words in sports, game seven. How about Jimmy Buckets? I really wish Stacey King was calling these games because he was always so fun to listen to when Jimmy Butler was balling out. You know, Jimmy G Buckets, you know what the G stands for. Jimmy gets buckets. And I heard, so I, I went to get a coffee because I get a coffee before my show. And usually when I'm in the city, it was, it's Dunkin' coffee. Well, when I'm living back home, we don't have a Dunkin' for a half hour. So I had to go to McDonald's for my coffee. And I'm driving out there listening to 670 The Score. They're airing the uh, You Better You Bet show with uh, Nick Costos and uh, Danny Parkins. And it, it got brought up about how Bulls fans feel watching Jimmy Butler succeed and thinking about, oh, could, could Bulls fans have had this? And Parkins made a good point. Bulls fans are the only ones that can watch this and go, okay, we got something for Jimmy Butler. Because I, I, will, I stand by, I agree with him. He said, like, Lowry Markkinen has potential to be a star if he's got the right coach. And with Billy Donovan coming in, yeah, I think he could be a star. And he's part of that trade. I, I don't think Zach Levine's your number one guy. If he is your number one guy, you're not a playoff team. You saw that this year. But I think Zach Levine is a solid piece for the Bulls. So I could, you could even throw him in there. 
I still think the Bulls won that trade, the Jimmy Butler trade. But the Sixers and the Timberwolves didn't get anything for Butler. So they're watching him ball out going, okay, we didn't get anything for him. Bulls fans are sitting there going, okay, I'm happy for Jimmy. I have not seen one negative thing from Bulls Twitter about Jimmy Butler. All I've seen is proud of you, JB. Like, hope he keeps this up. Really, really great performance. Hope he's doing well. I'm glad he's doing well. Like, that's how I'm watching it. I mean, <laughs> my brother and I sit there every time he makes a bucket. We go, oh, Jimmy G, buckets. You know what the G stands for. I love Jimmy Butler. Do I think he fit in well with John Paxson's Bulls? No. Do I think he changed a little bit while he was in Chicago? Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily for the better. I think he needed to change the scenery. But seeing him succeed in Miami, I love it. Like, I'm really happy for Jimmy. And to see him to see him go head to head with LeBron James and LeBron's had a really great series too. He had another good game the other day. And all over Twitter, I've been, I've been waiting to talk about this. Lakers last possession, they're going down the floor. LeBron's driving. He kicks it out and there's a wide open Danny Green up top. I mean, he's got nobody near him. They're playing these games in Orlando. The closest player was up in Atlanta. That's how far away they were. And he, he shoots this three and leaves it so far short. Like it, was like, it was like one of my three-pointers. And my friends will tell you, I am not a good shooter. I can play defense like the best of them. But I can't shoot a three to save my life. But watching Danny Green miss that shot, everyone on Twitter went nuts. And they were all saying, oh, Michael would have taken that shot. Michael would have taken that shot. No, well, and then everyone said, oh, no, Michael passed to Paxson in 93. Okay, this is where history, need, people need to know their history well. And, you know, I, I said I was going to do this. I never did. I want to see... The play-by-play -play for that game. So if you're if you're a youngin and or didn't watch the Last Dance, I'm talking about Game Six of the 1993 NBA Finals between the Bulls and the Phoenix Suns. And in this game, it went back and forth. But that was the game. John Paxson cemented himself in Bulls history. When he hit the game-winning three with five seconds left. But this play that was drawn, I think, I want to say there was a timeout beforehand. And if, that's, what, that's what I'm looking up to verify. I want to make sure there was a, a timeout before this shot. Because the way this went down was the play, it was Michael, he passed it to Scotty Pippen. And Pippen passed it down low to Horace Grant. Well, Horace didn't have a clean shot, so he kicked it out to a wide open John Paxson. And Paxson 
drained it for three. The famous call, passing for three, yes. It's one of my favorite calls of all time. But everyone's saying, oh, Michael passed it to Pax. No, he didn't. And my, I, I can't find a play-by-play. This is the thing with doing shows on your own. Like, there's something like, usually you'd have someone else, your partner, look it up to verify. But I'm flying solo here, so I'm doing my Mike Francesa imitation. Where I'm looking something up while talking on the air. But I, I'm pretty sure there was a timeout before that play. And if there was, I want to say it was drawn up for Horace. And Horace called the audible, mixing my mixing my sports lingo, which I hate doing, but it works here. He found Paxson, and Paxson drained the three. This Laker game, there was no timeout. So there wasn't time to draw up a play for LeBron. They kind of just had to do it. And that's why Danny Green ended up with the ball in his hands. And I saw a tweet as I was talking about this, about how da- Danny Green's fiance has gotten death threats from this. Come on, people. Are you kidding me? This is why I hate social media sometimes, a lot of the time, is for stuff like this. Like, come on. I guarantee you, most people, most most regular people watching an NBA game would not have made that shot in that, in that situation. Should someone not name Danny Green have taken that shot? Probably. But that's the way that's the way things fell. So I don't fault LeBron for passing the ball. I mean, the guy put up 40 points in that game. He did what he could. So to say Michael would have shot it, I think Michael would have done the same thing. Now, everyone else everyone compared it to Steve Kerr, too. Yes, Michael passed it to Kerr. And that was another one where he saw the play develop and just found Kerr wide open at the free throw line. But Michael didn't pass it to Pax. And I'm 95% sure there was a timeout before that and the play was drawn up for Horace. Yeah, I want to say the Bulls took a timeout with 14 seconds left. So that one, that doesn't hold water in this case. But Michael DeKerr does. So I don't fault LeBron for passing up the shot. If you don't have a clean look, people are going to knock him for missing the shot. So it's one of those, you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. That's just my two cents. I kind of kept that off Twitter because, again, I had a long day Friday at work. And I had to, I picked, I'm picking up hours at the bar. I picked up last night. It was crazy. So I didn't really have time to give my thoughts. I figured I'd save it for today. But... Yes, I do think Michael would have passed it all. But if, and I, I'm going to say this, if and when the Lakers win tonight, I don't want to hear a word about, Mike, about LeBron over Michael because Michael Jordan's still the GOAT. And I've only got seven minutes left, so I can't go on the full rant. But I, I just had to get that out there. But my prediction for, the, for tonight, I think it's going to be another really good game. I'm not sure if Goran Dragic is playing tonight. I think he's still out with... he. I want, did he tear his plantar fascia, did I see? That sounds painful just thinking about it. 
but I think he's still out tonight. The good thing is Bam Adebayo is back from Miami. He's been he's been balling out too. But looking at what's on the table here, Game Six, I think big game LeBron's going to show up, and I think the Lakers are going to win another title tonight. I mean, plain and simple. I don't know. I don't put scores on NBA games because it's such a roll of dice. Football games, I'll put a score on. Like next week for Bears Panthers, I'll put a score on it when I do a little research. But I think the Lakers win tonight. That said, I wouldn't be disappointed if the Heat won. So we got a game seven because this series has been so damn fun to watch. And it would just be another feather in Jimmy Butler's hat if he could lead the Heat. Who were out? They were outplayed so bad early on because they're so small. If he can lead the Heat to Game Seven against this Laker team, that's just another feather in his hat. And like I said, I'm so happy for Jimmy, just because I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. And it was time to move on when the Bulls moved on. And like I said, Bulls Twitter has rallied around Jimmy Butler really well. And it makes me happy. And I know we're all hoping that he continues to succeed. And I'm like I said, I'm pull I think the Lakers are gonna win, just realistically speaking. But I, I hope we get a game seven. It would just be so much fun. But even then, after Monday at the latest, that's the end of the bubble. The NBA would be done. And from what Adam Silver said, it doesn't sound like we're going to get a season until January 1st at the earliest. And everything's still up in the air with COVID-19 because numbers aren't getting better. So a lot up in the air after Monday. Or even after tonight, depending on how the game goes. But either way, I would definitely advise tuning in tonight. But I, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between the NBA Finals and Sunday Night Football. It's going to be a great sports night. And there's also playoff baseball tonight. ALCS starts tonight. I think it's Rays and Astros in the ALCS. Go Rays, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Go Rays. I mean, I'll support my Rays by banging on my garbage can here. That's all I have to say. But it's a solid sports night tonight. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens. But again, it's going to be an interesting week in Chicago sports. Again, Bears have essentially the next week off because they played on Thursday in the stupid Thursday night games. Hawks are rebuilding. Uh, Bulls are still, we still got an NBA draft coming up in a month. As of right now, the NBA draft is November 18th. So we got the draft coming up for the NBA. Bulls have the number four pick. It's still in the Denny of Dia train. Depending on if they trade that pick or not, we'll see what Arturis Karnaschovas does. And obviously baseball offseason for the Cubs and Sox, which came too damn soon, which I talked about last week. I would, If you want to hear my full thoughts on that, check out last week's podcast. And this Week. This week's show will also be podcasted at Apple, Spotify, Google. It's also on Google now, which is fun. 
Uh, wherever you get your podcast, feel free to tune in, like, or subscribe, rate. I guess you can't like a podcast. You can like my tweet about the podcast, but you can't like the podcast. But subscribe, rate, and review, whatever your heart pleases. Uh, only five-star reviews, though. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, definitely check out the podcast from last week for my full thoughts on the baseball season ending. And next week's going to be a lot of fun as well because Bears-Panthers will be coming up at noon next Sunday. I'll be taking you up to kickoff with a full game preview. Hopefully I'll have some good Blackhawks stuff to talk about or some good Cubs and Sox news to talk about. Maybe the Bulls will surprise us. Who knows? Because once the bubble's over, i got to look at when free agency starts and everything. But hopefully we'll be hearing some stuff from the offseason for how the Chicago Bulls are going to go about this with all the optimism. But again, great sports night tonight. And I know if you're a Bulls fan, watch watch the game tonight and watch Jimmy Butler do Jimmy Butler things. I mean, you can. There's always could what is it? Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Like coulda had Jimmy Butler still in Chicago. Woulda done this. No, I don't think he would have. I don't think it was a good fit with that front office. If this front office was there at the time. Carnell Chauvis, Mark Eversley, and even Billy Donovan as coach. I think Jimmy Butler could he would still be in Chicago. But that was, as I'll call it, the uh, the beginning of the dark days of the Garpax era. That's when they tried to rebuild again. Because the, the last the rebuild before it failed, because I don't I don't know if you know this, but Derrick Rose got hurt. So that's why they had to rebuild again. Because I mean, it was 2014, 2015, and Actually, I'm even going to be later. It was even 2017 during the the Butler trade when John Paxson was like, yeah, you know when Derek got hurt. So that's why Jimmy Butler was gone because, you know, Derek got hurt. But I'm pulling for him because I, I love what I'm seeing. Yeah, Jimmy G Buckets doing work. And again, I'll be back next week talking about what happened in the finals. And a lot of Bears talk as well. I'm probably going to have to book a guest. I know I said I, I said I've been book, trying to book a guest the last few weeks, but times just gotten away from me. But hopefully next week there's going to be a guest of some kind. I don't I don't know who yet, but I'll work on it. So that's all for me because it's now noon. I managed to string this out until noon. So everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and big sports night tonight. Everybody, tune in. It's going to be fun. Chime in on Twitter. I'm excited. So. Have a great week, everybody. I will see you next Sunday at 11 here on WLUW.